the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome. You are listening to Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston, New England's oldest African-American church. Hope and Faith Ministry features the inspirational sermons of my father, Dr. Wesley Roberts, Senior Pastor at People's Baptist Church. We're so glad you're here. Dr. Roberts has a powerful message of hope and love for your life and mine. Now enjoy this broadcast of Hope and Faith Ministry, brought to you from People's Baptist Church of Boston. On this special Sunday of the year, I've chosen as my topic the question, really, really could be a question, but what God requires of us in 2017, in light of all that has taken place of last year and what will take place this year, we need to understand what God's requirement is of us as his children. In the history of every nation and people, certain men and women emerge as heroes. It is not easy to say precisely what makes a person a hero beyond the admiration and prestige accorded to him or her by contemporaries or later generations. Whatever the definition of a hero uh, is, certainly Martin Luther King Jr. is acknowledged to be one of them. As our Congress uh, voted some years ago to make his birthday uh, a public holiday. So it is celebrated on the Monday. We have a national holiday which celebrates the birthday of Martin Luther King Jr. Like the prophets of the Old Testament, Dr. King had a message to deliver to a society weighed down by the evils of racism, poverty, and materialism. He spoke to the conscience of this nation as no one had done before. He believed that the only way America could be saved from moral and social chaos was for its people to return to the biblical values on which the country was founded. He was fond of quoting the words of the prophet Micah, for Micah had faced was faced with a situation not unlike that which Martin Luther King faced in the second half of the 20th century. In the Israel of Micah's day, the judges were unjust, the rulers corrupt, prophets preached for money, and materialism was rampant. The rich were always extending their estates, crushing the poor, and driving people from the soil, from the land. Those in authority were only concerned about their own gain. They were, they even exploited their religion. 
And they tried to ease their consciences by making the temple even more magnificent than it ever was. But Micah saw through their hypocrisy and pronounced God's judgment upon them. In fear, the people inquired, as you can find here in Matthew, in Micah chapter 6, 6 and 7, what can we bring to the Lord to make up for what we have done? Should we bow before God with offerings of yearling calves? Should we offer him thousands of rams and tens of thousands of rivers of oil? Would that please the Lord? Should we sacrifice our firstborn children to pay for the sins of our souls? Would that make him glad? And so Micah answered in verse 8, No, O people, the Lord has already told you what is good, and this is what he requires, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. Now Micah told the Israelites, the children of Israel, three things that God requires of them, and I believe those three things are also required of us because we name the name of God. And the first is that God requires, or he wants us to act justly. Now, to act justly means to do what is right. Justice is rooted in God's character and therefore is a quality found in people who are related to God. Those who love him work for fairness and equality for all, particularly the weak, the vulnerable, and the powerless that are so often exploited by others. It is not enough to wish for justice or complain that there is a lack of justice. Instead, we are to work for justice. Justice is not something we merely talk about. It is something that we do. Because God is a just God, he requires us, if we name his name, to act justly uh, with respect to each other. In Amos chapter 5, 21 through 24, God says to the people of ancient Israel, I hate, I despise your religious feasts. I cannot stand your assemblies. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps, but let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. You see, if God is just, and we believe that he is, then the question is, why are we surrounded by so much justice or injustice? Two people were heard talking about religion one day, and one says to the other, sometimes I'd like to ask God why he allows poverty, famine, and injustice when he could do something about it. And uh, one guy said, well, why don't you ask him? 
And the other one answered, because I'm afraid God might ask me to the same question. <laughs> you see, in, in, practical, in practical terms, justice demands that no one receives preferential treatment because of the color of their skin or their social and financial status. Justice requires equal opportunity for everyone. When people want preferential treatment for themselves but denied to others, justice says no. When people want everything their own way regardless of what happens to others, justice says no. These practices and attitudes, unfortunately, are found not just in the world but also in the church. For we often allow the world's standards and practices to determine what we do in the church because we fail to understand that there's a kingdom of this world and there's a kingdom of God and that the kingdom of God is different altogether. It is ruled by love, by fairness, by justice. But God expects his children to act differently from the world. The church is a community of redeemed people, a community of love and forgiveness, not a community of the greedy, the uncaring, the unforgiving, and the unloving. The Apostle Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, 9 and 10, uh, tells us, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. We are the people of God, says Peter. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is, as a child of God, do I act with fairness? in my dealings with others. As a child of God, do I act with justice in my dealings with others? Do I do to others as I want them to do to me, or do I follow the world's standard and do to others before they do to me? You see, our relationship with God requires us to act justly at all times. I'm not speaking to the world I'm speaking to believers, to those who acknowledge Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We are to act justly at all times because our Father requires that of us. But justice is not just a private matter. We have to do all in our power as citizens and members of this, uh, this society to ensure that our institutions are fair and just to everyone. We do have um, the election process by which we select our, our leaders and seek to uh, transform some of the institutions, but we still are far away from uh, getting it right. And it is this that distinguished Martin Luther King Jr. from the vast majority of religious and political leaders of his time. His mission as a civil rights leader was to call the nation to act justly towards all of its citizens as a requirement 
of God. But the second requirement is that God wants us to love mercy. God wants us to love mercy. You see, justice by itself can be cold, severe, and unresponsive to human need. Justice needs mercy if it is to be truly humane. Mercy means kindness, compassion, and it goes beyond what is merely fair, just, and legal. You see, if God treated us according to justice, then none of us would be here today. It is his mercy rather than his justice that has allowed us another day of life. It is his mercy that lifted us out of our sins and shame and made us his chosen people. It is because of God's mercy that we are now members of his family, that we have eternal life. It is because of God's mercy that we can go to him when we sin and say, as David did in Psalm 51 and verse 1, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. And Psalm 103 in verse 8 says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in mercy. See, because God is a merciful God and we are his children, he requires that we love mercy and we show mercy to others. You see, when you love mercy, you do not seek revenge on someone who has wronged you. When you love mercy, you do not try to get even with your enemies. Rather, you love your enemies, as Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. Do good to those who insult you and persecute you and lie about you. See, mercy goes beyond the bounds of duty. It wants the best for the other person. It does not think of self first, but of others and of their needs. To love mercy is to be like Jesus Christ. And therefore, mercy should be a central characteristic of the Christian. Now, the story is told of of a man and his wife who went to a restaurant that featured steak and salad. As they were eating, a waitress came out with a five-gallon bucket of Thousand Island dressing to fill up the salad bar. Her heel caught on something, and the the five-gallon container of dressing spilled all over this man. He was covered with dressing from head to toe. And the man got real ballistic and starts calling the poor girl every name that he could think of. And he says, I can't believe just how stupid you are. Look at this. This is the first chance I've had to wear this suit. It cost me $350, and you have completely ruined it. And his wife chimes in, oh, that's right, it's a $350 suit. And everybody in the restaurant was, was uh, watching and listening to what was going on, and the man demanded, I want to see the manager. And the manager comes out and, and tells the man, sir, uh, we'll clean the suit for you. The guy says, I don't want my suit cleaned. I want a new suit. I want a check right now for $350. And the man man and the the manager disappeared someplace uh, behind uh, in a room. And uh, obviously, 
uh, he satisfied the, the man by giving the $350. Now, what's interesting about this story is that it happened on a Sunday afternoon. Now, the likelihood is that uh, the man and his wife had just come from hearing a great sermon on loving your neighbor as yourself. And people who work in food service say that the very worst people to wait on are people who just get out of church on Sundays. And that's, that's tragic because we are called to love one another like Jesus' love. You see, there are too many people calling themselves Christians who have had difficulty fulfilling the requirement of justice. Or, or, or actually who have had no difficulty fulfilling the requirement of justice, but fall short on mercy. You see, they want people to get their just deserts. You see, mercy requires that when you see suffering, that you also do something about it. You can't do everything, but you can do something. Now, some of you who are older uh, may remember a story that took place almost 40 years ago. I believe the name of the lady who um, was reported on was Kitty Genovese. The setting was in the streets of New York City in the evening, but not too late. She was being assaulted by a man and began to scream. He told her to shut up, but she kept on screaming. She screamed for about 15 minutes until the man dragged her off to the side and killed her and took her money. When the police investigated, they asked the neighbors in the apartment buildings, did you hear anything? It turned out that 36 people heard Kitty scream, and some of them even opened their window, looked out, saw her being assaulted, and yelled, shut up, we are trying to sleep. When asked if they saw it happening, why didn't they do something? All 36 people said the same thing. We didn't want to get involved. Well, God says when you see hurt, you need to get involved. You're a member of the human family. And you have a responsibility to, to, uh, to your fellow human being. When you see a need, you need to do something about it. Rather than just walk by. You can pretend that you don't see some of the things that you need to see. But God sees the heart. He makes his judgment not on the basis of what you thought, not on the basis of what you said or felt, but on the basis of what you actually did. So good intention don't count. Mercy means treating people better than they deserve to be treated even when you don't feel like it. It also means that you are respectful of other people and you um, try to lift them up rather than to tear them down. A mother once approached the great French emperor Napoleon seeking pardon for her son. The emperor replied that the young man had committed a certain offense 
twice and justice demanded death. But I don't ask for justice, the mother explained. I plead for mercy. But your son does not deserve mercy, Napoleon replied. Sir, the woman cried, it would not be mercy if he deserved it. And mercy is all I ask for. Well, then the emperor said, I will have mercy. And he spared the woman's son. That's mercy, undeserved kindness. None of us deserve mercy. It is always undeserved. I don't have to tell you how to show, how you can show mercy. You know that situation that you are thinking of probably right now, about your kids, your grandkids, your wife or husband, neighbor, co-worker or employee. They don't deserve you to treat them right. But when you do treat them right, God is pleased for you are being most like God when you show mercy because he's a merciful God who has shown us mercy ourselves. The third requirement is that God wants us to walk humbly with him. The first two things, Micah says, God requires of us, acting justly and loving mercy, have nothing to do with God. They have to do with how we behave toward one another. God expects his children to love and to get along with one another. He expects us to treat one another justly and fairly, and he expects us to love mercy and to show mercy or or kindness toward one another. But the third expectation is that God wants us to have a right relationship with him. That right relationship with God always begins with humility, recognizing that God is greater than you are and that you don't need to compete with God, that you are just dust. He created you out of dust and you'll always uh, go back to dust. The evidence of our walk with God will be seen in our acts of kindness, mercy, compassion, justice, and so on. But as soon as we feel like we are the ones responsible for such qualities, then we are not walking humbly with God. You see, we are surrounded today by a me mentality. It's all about me, my life, my money, my possessions, my relationships, my decision, my church, my needs that need to be met. It's all about me. But when we walk humbly with our God... It is about his money, his possessions, his relationships, his church, his will to be done. It's all about the Lord, our God. You see, humility is not thinking less of yourself than you are. Nor is humility always talking about your faults and shortcomings. Humility is simply the recognition of the truth about ourselves that allows genuine concern for others. God's promise to the humble can be seen in our next scripture, Isaiah chapter 57 and verse 15. The high and holy one who inhabits eternity, the holy one says this, I live in that high and holy place with those whose spirits are contrite and humble. 
I refresh the humble and give new courage to those with repentant hearts. What God does require of us in this new year that we're in, justice, mercy, and humility, he first gives to us. He said, Jesus came to establish justice. He came to show mercy. He came to lift up the humble. And I thank God today, especially for his mercy. For without mercy, we would all be doomed. Without mercy, there would be no forgiveness, no leniency, no pardon, no amnesty, no, no pity. Because of his mercy, God is compassionate toward us. He's gracious toward us. He's responsive to us. He's considerate of us. He's generous with us. He's faithful to us. And he forgives us when we confess our sins. Because of his mercy, God opens the windows of heaven, answers our many prayers, supplies all of our needs, blesses us with daily benefits, renews our strength day by day helps us through life's difficulties, uh, leads us in the paths of righteousness, keeps us in the hollow of his hand, lifts us up when we fall, and restores us to fellowship when we ask uh, for forgiveness. Because of God's mercy to us, he expects us as his children to offer mercy to others. And he also expects us to uh, offer sympathy to those who sorrow, assistance to those who are in need, encouragement to those who are discouraged, and healing to those who hurt. God expects us to strengthen the weak, comfort the dying, feed the hungry, clothe the naked, and to be good to all people, especially to those who are of the household of faith, that is, those who are fellow Christians. Let us say thank you, Lord, for his mercy and his grace to us. Thank you for joining us here at Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston. We pray that you have been touched and inspired by today's message. People's Baptist Church is a Christ-centered, caring church located at 134 Camden Street at the corner of Camden and Tremont Streets. Our Sunday services are at 8 a.m. and at 10.45 a.m. You can reach us at 617-427-0424. Come visit us in person or on the web at www.pbcboston.org. And tune in every Saturday morning at 10.30 for another inspiring message of hope and faith. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.